0: Well, it is a privilege and an honor to be able to open God's Word with you this morning. And so in a moment, I'm going to pray that the Lord would help us to see what it is He wants to reveal to us in His Word, and that we would grow in our affection and our love for Him in our time around His Word. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we do ask that you would shape and fashion us by your word this morning, that you would reveal to us the treasures of your word, that you would cause us to follow and to to value what your word has to say. Would you give us understanding, and would you help each one of us now as we sit under your word? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In 2010, Forrest Fenn, an 80-year-old millionaire art dealer, hid a treasure chest somewhere north of Santa Fe and south of Canada in the Rocky Mountains. The gold coins, gems, and jewelry contained in this 10-by-10-inch chest was worth at least $1 million. Forrest wrote a 24-line poem containing nine clues, saying the poem would lead to the treasure. What ensued was a decade-long search before the treasure was found. In that time, the hunt for Fenn's treasure became a national storyline. Many devoted countless hours to the search. Some invested thousands of dollars Others moved across the country to be closer to the search area and still others lost their lives while in search for this treasure. Our passage this morning implores us to search for wisdom as we would search for hidden treasure. For in finding wisdom, we will find something that is of great value and worth. We'll be looking this morning in Proverbs chapter 2. This is our second sermon in our short series in Proverbs. Last month, Pastor Jonathan preached to us from from Proverbs 1. We'll be reminded that Proverbs is part of the wisdom literature of Scripture. That in the Proverbs, we read these concise, memorable statements of how we can find wisdom and follow in the way of wisdom little nuggets, if you will, of wisdom that we can find. I invite you to turn now with me to Proverbs 2. You can find that on page number 528 in your pew Bibles. And as always, if you do not have a Bible of your own and would like to read God's Word and learn more about God and what it is He has to teach you, we would love for you to take that Bible with you. We would love nothing more than for you to have a copy of God's Word to read on your own. Well, let's read now together from Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inherit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. The main idea that I want us to see from this passage this morning, and for those who are taking notes, you can jot this down, is that wisdom is worth finding and following, Wisdom is worth finding and following. And as we look at Proverbs 2, we will find three clues for finding and following wisdom. Clue number one in verses 1 to 5, search for wisdom. Now, this first clue may be obvious for trying to find wisdom, to search for wisdom. But sadly, some of us do not search for wisdom And many of us, when we do, we search in the wrong places. Our text teaches us that the search for wisdom begins outside of ourselves. You'll see there in verse 1, a father speaking to his son, inviting him to receive my words. These wise words that come to the son come from outside of himself. The father Is offering these words. And if the son is to receive wisdom, his search must begin outside of himself. Now you and I know that this is contrary to pop psychology today. That says wisdom is found from within through introspection or listening to our hearts. Now hear me, introspection and intuition, they have their place, they can be a useful exercise, they can even be a fine consultant at times, but the source, the ultimate source of wisdom is found outside of ourselves. And so, in our search for wisdom, we must begin by looking outside of ourselves. And the, and, and the source of wisdom. The opportunity to find wisdom has always been outside of ourselves. Since creation, God has spoken. Since creation, man has needed to receive God's word. And so if at the time of creation, and then here at the time of Proverbs 2, written by Solomon, and so today, if we are to find wisdom, we must first Receive it. Our text answers the question of what is required to receive wisdom and who it is that finds it. In verse 2, we're told that it is one with an attentive ear and a heart inclined to understand. Wisdom is received by those who position themselves to hear and to understand wisdom. Verse 3 tells us that wisdom is found by those who, who call out for wisdom by those who recognize their need for wisdom, that they don't already possess it. This requires both an honest and a humble search, calling out for wisdom. In verse 4, we see also what is required is an earnest search. We are to seek it like silver, the passage says, to search for it as for hidden treasure. This search is is fueled by the recognition of the value and the worth of wisdom, and it spurs on an, an eager and intent search. We're told that we are to treat wisdom like treasure, and so we are to search for it as such. Well, the natural question is do you treasure wisdom? Do you honestly and humbly search for it? Do you eagerly and earnestly call out for wisdom? Is your search for wisdom in keeping with wisdom's value and worth? Maybe you've never been on a hunt for hidden treasure, but have you ever lost something that is important to you? Maybe... You've lost your child while at the grocery store. Recently, I heard from friends of mine who lost an engagement ring, a gift that was given several years ago, and that spurred on an honest, eager, urgent search to find that ring of great value. If we've lost something of value and worth, we will search hard and fast for it. In a similar way, we are to search for wisdom. For in finding wisdom, we find something that is of of great worth. The worth of wisdom is then clearly stated in verse 5 for us. Because this search for wisdom, while it begins outside of ourselves, it ends in the knowledge of God. This search for wisdom is a very A very hopeful one. That if if we search for wisdom, then you will, verse 5, find it. You will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Friends, we need not be disheartened in our search for wisdom. For wisdom can be found. We have been made to, to search after wisdom and to find it. God in his wisdom has made us to be in relationship with him, to know him, to find wisdom from him. And there's no greater value than finding the wisdom of God and knowing God and being in relationship with him. That's what this is talking about in verse 5 where it talks about the fear of God. That is being in a right relationship with God, relating to him in love and in fear, relating to him rightly. When we fear the Lord, we relate to him as we were made to. When we fear the Lord, we're living the good life as God has intended. When we fear the Lord, we live a life of wisdom in which we know human flourishing and what it is to look like. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord, and also the end of wisdom, that we will know God and be in a vibrant relationship with Him. Well, I wonder this morning where your search for wisdom has led you. Perhaps it's led you to the Lord. Perhaps it's led you further inward To yourself. Maybe it's led you to something or someone else. But let me remind us that finding wisdom is not merely finding something, but it is finding someone. It is finding the person of wisdom God Himself. And God has made us to find wisdom today. And so that would be my encouragement to you this morning. I would implore you as well to find the Lord. The prophet Isaiah says to find the Lord. While he may be found, it may be that today is that day to find the Lord, to turn to him. In his wisdom, he has made us to be, as we said, in relationship to him. And yet man, in his wisdom, we have rejected the wisdom of God And we have chosen to rule our own lives. But the story of the gospel continues where God in love sent his son Jesus, the perfect one, the one who lived perfectly in wisdom, to die on the cross for sinners who rejected God's wisdom, to rise from the dead, to be a substitute, to pay the penalty for all who turn from their folly. Who recognize that they have rejected the wisdom of God and need the wisdom of God so that we can be restored into right relationship with Him? The wisdom of God can be found, and let me implore you to find the wisdom of God today. I trust that, that many of us have found the wisdom of God. And so, upon finding God's wisdom, what is it that we are to do next? I think we see a second clue in our passage and that's in verses 6 to 11. To store up wisdom. To store up wisdom. So after, after searching for wisdom and finding it, we store it up. And this, this builds upon finding wisdom. So as we, as we find wisdom and as we search it closer and closer, we find that there's more and more Wisdom to find, the Apostle Paul in in Romans 11 tells us that the the wisdom of God is is deep and unsearchable. Well, that may sound exhausting to search endlessly the wisdom of God. Well, it's really intent to tell us to keep coming and, and to keep searching. And we can take heart that while this may sound like an endless task, we actually have help for this task of searching and storing up. In these verses, we see that it is both God and our hearts that store up wisdom for us. So verse first verses six to nine, notice that God stores up wisdom for us. Verse six, the Lord gives wisdom. See the initiative of God there in giving wisdom? This is his kind providence. He sovereignly And graciously gives wisdom. Wisdom can be found, and we can be confident of that because God gives wisdom. And it will be found because He gives it to you. Verse seven He stores up wisdom for you. He's not short on wisdom, but He gives it generously. He supplies it, and He stores it up for you. You may be familiar with the idea of a rainy day fund the idea of setting aside money for a time of financial hardship, maybe to help pay for a house repair or a car repair, maybe even a medical cost. And so we, with the abilities and the gifts that God has given us, we may store aside some funds for a rainy day. And we recognize that ultimately the, the ability to work is something that, as God, God has given us. But we may give ourselves some credit for the work that that we have done. I think as we think about here, God storing up wisdom for us, it may even be more helpful to think about our benevolence fund that we have here as a church. A benevolence fund, unlike maybe a rainy day fund where that's been self-funded in some way, a benevolence fund is something that has been funded by others, those outside of you, your church family. There's nothing that you have done to build up or to acquire those funds. And yet, in time of financial hardship, whatever the reason, when that fund is applied to a need, you see that it is completely something that the Lord has given. It is completely something that others have stored up. He has stored up for you in your time of need. Friends, we can take heart that, that God will store up wisdom for us, and this He does completely outside of us. He provides the wisdom that we need. But not only does He provide wisdom, He also protects us by it. Verses 7 and 8 He shields you, He guards the way, He watches over you along the way. There is safety in wisdom. And so a natural application for us is that we would regularly store up wisdom, that we would turn to God's word that he has revealed to us and we would seek to hide it in our hearts, that God's word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, that we would recognize what he has provided for us in his word. Wisdom that shields us, that guards us, that watches us along the way. A recognition that we are, as we will consider even further this morning, in a battle, a spiritual battle every day that requires wisdom in order to win. And so it is a great comfort to know that God provides and protects us with with his wisdom. And we can also have great confidence that he will give us this wisdom. Verse 9, he will give wisdom, we will gain wisdom and understanding of righteousness and justice in every good path. This is the result of the wisdom that God supplies. God stores up wisdom for us, and then it will, as we see in verse 10, it will enter into our hearts. So not only does God store up wisdom for us, but our hearts store up wisdom within us. We've considered a little bit of God's sovereignty in giving wisdom to be received, and then also our responsibility to receive that wisdom and to store it up in our own hearts. This is still an initiative of God. His grace But then he's given us our responsibility to store up wisdom in our hearts. Wisdom that starts outside of us and then makes its way down in. From the mouth of God into our very own hearts. We find that when wisdom has been brought near, it is easier for us to find we can more regularly and readily turn to it and be reminded of the wisdom that the Lord has already stored up in our hearts. I think the times where we are most ready for the wisdom that is stored in our hearts is in those times of of suffering, in those times of, of desperation and hardship, when we want to grasp a hold of some sort of comfort, some wisdom of God to help us in difficulty. Or maybe it's in times of sin, when we have recognized that we have failed to uphold the wisdom of God and to walk in it. And we need to be helped and and comforted by the wisdom that we've stored up in our hearts, the wisdom of God's Word. His Spirit brings the wisdom of his word to our hearts, to minister to our hearts. We also store up that wisdom in order to minister to others. And so friends, in what ways are you and I seeking to store up wisdom in our hearts? There's a provision of wisdom, but there's also a responsibility that you and I have to store up wisdom. And so how can we, alongside one another, be working at storing up wisdom together. Well, after having searched for wisdom and stored up wisdom, we have this this insight, the wisdom of God, but we still need to put this insight into action. So our third clue, after finding wisdom to help us follow wisdom, is clue number three, side with wisdom. This is in verses 12 to 22. And this third clue is as essential as the first two. It depends on the first two clues, searching for it, storing it up. But then we need to regularly side with wisdom. And if we are to side with wisdom, that means daily we are keeping step. With wisdom, Our passage here highlights two different paths, a path of evil and a path of good. And these two paths are opposed to each other. Wisdom will side with the good and the righteous path, whereas folly sides with the evil and the wicked path. So daily, you and I, we have a choice before us. We have a choice to decide with who will we Side. Moments ago, we thought about God shielding us by his wisdom, guarding us, watching over us, and that being a source of of comfort. But it's also warning of very real danger real danger that there are opposing sides at war with one another, that spiritual battle I mentioned a moment ago. And with that, there's very real choice that you and I have before us? Will we take up the shield of faith? Will we be on guard? Will we be watchful? Will we side with wisdom? Well, in order to side with wisdom, we are first to stay off the path of evil. Stay off the path of evil. We see this in verses 12 to 19 as well as 22. And there are actually many travelers on this path of evil, but our text highlights two for us. So let me highlight those now. First, traveler number one in verses 12 to 15 is men of evil. Traveler number one, men of evil. These are men of perverse speech, and they have much to say. But what they say and what they offer is a wisdom of their own and wisdom that is contrary to the wisdom that is revealed of the Father. These men of evil forsake the paths of uprightness, it says in 13. They walk in the ways of darkness. They have made their choice. They have sided with evil, and they have been deceived by it. Their minds have become darkened. And not only have their minds been darkened, but in verse 14, their hearts as well. They now rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. And once their hearts have been darkened, then their hands and their feet carry out the deeds of darkness. Verse 15, their paths are crooked and their ways are devious. This traveler, men of evil, speaks of a, company of corrupt men who are perverse in speech. They are bent on evil. They have sided with evil. They have made their choice. What do they sound like? What are some of the things that that the men of evil say? They, They minimize the seriousness of sin. They excuse what goes on unseen or detected. They say they excuse sin because surely others have committed more serious offenses. They lack discretion. And so, friends, instead of engaging, rather, they, they lack discretion, and they engage the very dangers that, that, they, have been, that they are in need of deliverance from. Moving to the second traveler, we see in verses 16 to 19, the second traveler is the forbidden woman. This woman is a stranger in your house. She is the unauthorized woman, as one translation puts it, the woman to whom you have no claim. And this woman is perverse in her sexuality. She also, like the man of evil, has a lot to say. She starts with smooth speech and seductive words. Her words counter the wise words of the father. I wonder what her words sound like. You deserve this. It's not hurting anyone. No one will find out. You can choose a different path later. This woman is the unfaithful woman, and she flatters those who follow her into unfaithfulness. Verse 17, she forsakes the companion of her youth. She has no regard for the partner in her marriage, She has no regard for the partners of others in marriage. And she forsakes the covenant of her God. She has no regard for the the God who created and who instituted marriage. In her folly, she is short-sighted. She, too, is deceived like the men of evil. Her path of deception, verse 18, leads to death. Along with her house, she brings others with her. Others join her in the path that leads to death and leaves with it a wake of destruction. Friends, I trust that in a congregation of this size, many of us, many of us, have felt the pains of destruction of the unfaithful woman. By turning away from wisdom and turning to unfaithfulness, there has been a whole road of of harm left. Affairs that have led to Broken relationships that have led to great emotional harm, that have caused to question the witness and the faithfulness of God. Friends, do not join with this lady. Her path leads to death and only to destruction. I mentioned Solomon a moment ago. Solomon, who who penned this proverb, he understood this full well. For he, a man of great power and wealth, engaged in many extramarital affairs. He frequently fell for the forbidden woman. And this led him to idolatry and destruction. So let us not be deceived let us recognize that the path of this foreign woman leads to death, and it leads only to death. Those who stay this path will not regain life, as it says in 19. You can think of following in her path like purchase, the purchase of a, a one-way ticket. A one-way ticket where there is no, no opportunity to Kind of refund. (laughs) That that purchase is final. If we stay the path of the forbidden woman, the destination is certain. (laughs) And the destination is death. And upon death, there's this final judgment where none can return. Verse 22, the wicked will be cut off from the land. The treacherous will be rooted out of it. Now, for the immediate listeners, Israel, in hearing about being cut off from the land, they would have understood that land was an expression, a demonstration of God's blessing, something that God gave them and, and allowed them to continue in so long as they were faithful. But if you're familiar with the history of Israel, in our Old Testament, we know that Israel was unfaithful, and that led to a time of exile, being Cast, captured and, and removed from the land because of their unfaithfulness. If we think of you and I today, the land that we are cut off from would be that wisdom of God, that person of God. And if we are not faithful to following Him, if we do not turn to Him, there also awaits a final judgment. There also awaits the very reality and the final reality of being cut off from him forever and eternity in hell. Hell is what awaits those who remain in wickedness. But there is this offer to be delivered from these pathways of evil and unfaithfulness. There is safety in wisdom. There is safety in in siding with wisdom. So in verses 20 and 21, we see the offer to stay on the path of good. With wisdom, we will, verse 20, walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. There's a a third traveler that I would like us to consider this morning. This traveler only and always traveled on the path of good. This traveler is Jesus, the person of wisdom. While Jesus traveled among the evil, he never walked the path of evil. He always listened to the words of his Father, And he always sided with wisdom. Now this came at great cost. Jesus was slandered by man, both friends and enemies. He was forsaken by man and by his Father in heaven on the cross. On the cross, he sank down to death, being killed for the sin of those who would turn and trust in him but he also rose from the dead three days later so that all who repent of sin and trust in Jesus can walk with him. Jesus traveled the path of wisdom so that you and I might travel the path of wisdom too, that we might side with wisdom, that we might be delivered from evil, verse 12, and rescued From the snatches of death, that we may walk in the way of good and live in the land, in his presence, in glory with God forever and ever. This is the promise for those who side with wisdom. 21. The upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. This land. This being in the presence of God, this inhabiting with him is available in Christ, the wisdom of God. So let us side with wisdom where you will be safe. Let us persevere in faith and wisdom will keep you. So again, I ask, how are you doing in siding with wisdom? As you look at your own heart, what are the well-worn pathways of your heart? Where do you find yourself frequently traveling? The Lord in his wisdom can help you to journey and to walk on the path of wisdom. Back to our treasure hunt at the beginning. In June of 2020, 10 years later, Forrest Fenn reported that the treasure had been found. He revealed that the treasure was found in in Wyoming. Uh, The man who found the treasure has not, to my understanding, revealed the exact location of this treasure. Many details of this treasure and its hunt still remain a mystery. Three months later, Forrest Fenn died. And at that time, the greatest treasure was revealed to him. He met wisdom, and he was judged by wisdom. And if in this life, this side of eternity, he sided with wisdom, he would have found the greatest treasure worth finding. He would have found that it was worth searching for. Storing up and siding with. What about you? Who have you sided with? And who are you siding with today? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word and the wisdom contained in it that you reveal to us. Lord, we pray that you would. Bring your wisdom to mind, that you would help us to search for it regularly, to store it up often, and to side with it daily. Give us your grace to do this, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.